The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network, GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This is Gene. Our co-host, of course, is Tim Swartz, along with his 28 personalities or voices. John Cruz is our guest this week. And when I verify, as I do on the show, how he pronounces his last name, he said Cruz. And I said to him, and John, you can give me the answer you gave me before... I said, you mean like Tom Cruise? Yeah, well, that's that's how we pronounce it now. A lot of people, I must say, you know, over my life, a lot of people have mis- misheard it and thought that they were going to be meeting Tom Cruise and then had the disappointment of meeting John Cruise instead. <laughs> but there you go. <laughs> well, I realize so, you're $500 million poorer. I am, I'm afraid, yes. <laughs> I said it's not going to change now, I don't think. Uh, too late for you. Yep, right so. Well, you know, people do get rich later in life. Of course, with me, it's pretty damn late, but then we don't want to get into that. Seriously speaking here, you, it says here, have been fascinated by fairy lore since your early 20s. And yes. we look at that as, as culture, cultural, the fairies and elves and myths of the past, and they're related to paranormal events. What got you interested in it? I think it was it was a, a, a slightly kind of roundabout route because I was originally, um, and probably going back into my teens, I was interested in um, the, the, the stories about King Arthur. And as I got into my 20s and I was at university, uh, I started to sort of read about that a bit more seriously and look at the background. And that got me interested in, I think the route was that I got interested in the the Irish myths. And from that, somehow it led on to fairies um, in the proper sense of the word. I think it'd be partly via Morgan Le Fay, who the last name... Is, is kind of linked to fairies, but it is, is used in a different sense in, uh, when we're talking about Morgan Le Fay, because uh, it's then more about a, uh, a conjurer, an enchanter, rather than a supernatural being. But yeah, at some point, sort of in the, the early 1980s, I suppose it was, I started to get interested in, in, in fairy subjects. And for a number of years, I, was, I, I bought books on uh, some of the key books on the subject and then I suppose in the mid 1980s you know my, my interests wandered off into other subjects and and then it wasn't until 
2016. Uh, so after really a break of 30 years or so, that I, I suddenly came back to fairies again and, and really got involved with the subject again. Now, when we look at fairies, we look at some of the common myths that we've grown up with in terms of culture. So, number one, are fairies, must fairies always be female or are there male and female? Definitely both sexes. The books that I've written and the, the blog that I operate, uh, you know, is deliberately called British Fairies. Um, so... Most of what I'll probably say to you this uh, in the course of the, our chat will be um, deliberately from, from a, a British perspective because that's what I, I know in detail. But, yeah, in the, in the last hundred years maybe, um, there's been a lot of emphasis put a, on the, the female fairy uh, and particularly, I suppose, the, the, the more sort of girly fairy. Um, but certainly in British folklore, there's never been any doubt that there's there've been both sexes, you know. So you've got a character like Puck, say, in, in Midsummer Night's Dream, who is very obviously a male character. Um, but then in, in Midsummer Night's Dream, alongside him, you've got um, um, Queen Titania and, and all the, the girly uh, fairies who are her attendants. So, yeah, it's always been a... Um, a mixed sex uh, population, uh, you know, and from, from, for obvious reasons that you're not going to get any more fairies if you don't have both sexes. And, um, and, and their interactions with humans have been, um, you know, from both sexes. So there's, there's been male humans who've uh, been pursued by female fairies and the other way around as well. So we have another image there of Tinkerbell in the yes. Peter Pan stories. And, of course, if you saw Hook, the live-action Peter Pan from Steven Spielberg, basically it was Julia Roberts with wings. Yes. Tiny Julia Roberts with wings. So are fairies meant to be miniature beings? That fairies, um, you know... I think there's there's quite a lot of confusion about it now because on the one hand you've got that that image of of Tinkerbell from um, from Disney particularly, and then on the other hand you've got the the elves that everybody knows from Lord of the Rings, and it's impossible to on the face of it to reconcile those two extremes. Um, but certainly, if you look at the the British folklore, there's uh there's a range of heights shown that they they're they're understood to go from maybe I, I suppose sort of short adults or maybe um somebody maybe in their late teens that kind of height down to um maybe uh, the height of a of a child of maybe nine or ten um so the British folklore has always understood them to be not as tall as humans, but certainly not microscopic. Um, but that's, yeah, that idea of fairies being really, really tiny is, I think, pretty much an invention of, um, particularly of Victorian times, say. But I think it was it was starting to come out towards the end of... Um, 
the the seventeenth century that people um, various poets in in, uh, in Tudor and Stuart England like to kind of play around with that idea of them being very tiny and and just to explore the fantasy idea of of you know if you've got a t- a fairy is only a couple of inches high then you know what are they going to drink out of and what are they going to eat and that sort of thing so it was done very much for uh amusement but it has stuck unfortunately and uh and fairies have been converted into these tiny little things with wings which are quite harmless on the whole um and that is not how they are in uh, in tra- in British tradition, um, and for that matter, I mean, going back to your mention of Tinkerbell, I mean, if you actually read the original um, the original books by um, J. M. Barry, then Tinkerbell herself is not a very pleasant character. You know, she spends quite a lot of the the story trying to kill Wendy um, because of sexual jealousy. So, uh, you know, it. it even J.M. Barry was uh, was aware enough of the the tradition to not make her a very kind of sugar coated kind of character. Okay, so of course, therefore, Walt Disney didn't look at that, nor did Steven Spielberg in looking at the concept of Tinkerbell. But let's go back to the folklore. How far back can we trace legends of fairies? In Britain, certainly to um, to Anglo-Saxon times before the the Norman Conquest in 1066. So there's yeah there's a there's a tradition of elves um, as they would have called them then in Britain going back you know, 1200 um, 1400 years I would say, um, and I'd be very confident in saying that uh, you'd find um, similarly ancient traditions stretching back in, in, in Wales and in Scotland as well. We'll have more okay. with John Cruz talking about the legends of fairies and elves with Gene and Tim. You're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences, too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. 
My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNLoans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNLoans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNLoans.com. That's GCNLoans.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Kind of exiting our normal warehouse, which has been mostly UFOs followed by Bigfoot and ghosts, exploring fairy myths, legends. Is there a reality behind them? John Cruz has been exploring this for an awful long time, and we're trying to understand this. A very quick and silly question, John. If a fairy walked up to me tomorrow, other than possibly being shorter than I, would I be able to recognize them as something other than human? Um, not necessarily. No, there may be, there may be things which might attract your attention, maybe the color of the hair. And sometimes people say there's something quite distinctive about the, the color of their eyes. Um, but other than height, 
there isn't immediately anything to distinguish them. You know, as I, uh, as I said, they um, in British tradition they don't have wings or anything really um, unusual like that. So um, it might be a, a, a short person, but uh, you wouldn't necessarily know immediately. What about a lot of um, more? I suppose recent are, are pop culture references to to fairies. Besides the you know being teeny tiny and with wings, is a lot of times they've been described as being uh, uh, you know ghost like or or like smoke. I mean, is there is there any older traditions around that, or is that just more of a modern um, structure? It's. It is primarily a modern thing, but there are odd mentions um, in some folk stories about, to the effect that they they may be not as solid as we are. Um, I can think of um, one of the sort of key texts um, is a book which was written back in the uh, the early 1900s by um, an American scholar called Evans Wentz. Uh, and it's the, the fairy faith in Celtic countries. And one of the stories that he tells, I think it's from Scotland, um, a woman is walking home and uh, this woman appears beside her uh, and they walk along for a while. And, she, you know, as we were just saying, she assumes that it's, it's, uh, it's another human being that she's walking with. And then um, for some reason or other, she, she tries to touch this, um, this stranger and her hand goes straight through. Um, so there are odd scattered references like that, but on the whole, um, the tradition is that they're just as solid flesh and blood uh, as we are, uh, you know, and that's borne out by the by the fact of what I was uh, talking about earlier. You know that people can take fairy lovers, and people can um, can have children with their fairy lovers. Uh, um, so um, clearly, there's you know there's there's ordinary sort of physical carnality there, and, uh, and normal sexual relations can take place. Even even though um, you write primarily about. Uh, um uh, uh, British fairies. Uh, you, if you go and look uh, worldwide, I mean, it seems like that every uh, every culture throughout history has their own uh, uh, different legends and mythologies of of similar types of of beings. I mean, they they may be called you know something different, but they seem to fit that that same ecological niche, so to speak. Yeah, uh, th that's that's true. Yes, and um, right across Europe there are related beings, and uh, yes, you know we've we've got the uh, the the genies and the jinns uh, and the peris coming from the the Middle East and from Iran and places like that. And yeah, every every culture has um, has been aware. Uh, of the fact that there is a, uh, if you like, a parallel population um, sharing the the landscape with them, um, which 
you know, the fact that it is a, uh, a universal perception is quite a strong argument for, for saying that obviously people are, uh, they are aware of some sort of reality, um, whichever culture they're living in, the, 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 you know, whatever, however maybe they, they see it and whatever label they put on it, they, um, the, there's a core of something that everybody is experiencing there. Let's look at the core of this then, John. Are these just myths, legends, or do they represent real creatures or beings? The approach that I've always taken um, with my... uh, Well, I suppose going right back to what we were talking about at the start, when I I got interested in the subject back in the the early 80s, my feeling then was, well, you know, what... Why did people believe in these things? Surely there must have been some sort of um, some sort of real experience uh, that was the origin of these various stories. And certainly, since 2016, when I've been doing the blog and, and writing the books, the approach that I've consciously taken is: I don't try and and pretend that I'm doing folklore and that I'm an academic folklorist what i what i call what i write is is fairy lore and and my my conscious approach is thousands and thousands of people over a thousand years have had these experiences so let's take them seriously you know they and accept that they saw what they saw and they they had those physical contacts that they had so um you know they believed that they had uh, encountered another physical being and uh, my approach is is always to say well yeah they knew what happened to them and uh, and i'm not going to question it so they're there yes now some people try to relate or connect sightings of fairies to sightings of beings from a flying saucer are we looking at something similar here there ha- there are certainly similarities between the two phenomena uh and it's not a, an aspect of it that I've I've gone into so much, but um, my suspicion is that maybe it's it's a new way of framing um, the same sort of experience uh, or a, a, a traditional uh, an experience that people have been having for for centuries, uh, but people are bringing new terminology to it and you know may, whereas maybe somebody in the middle ages might have talked about um an angel um or, or even the devil then um you know we, we people today reach out for for different adjectives um but at the core uh, i think there's probably still exactly the same experience this is very interesting to explore and i have to tell you my knowledge about fairy lore is not that high, so I'm learning just like you are with John Cruz, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. It means you're in the Paracast. From our family to yours, have a very Merry Christmas. We are the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. You don't sit behind a desk every day to earn a living. You're out and about making it happen. 
And sometimes you get a little bit behind on your paperwork, you know, like bookkeeping and paying your taxes. It's easy to get behind on paying your taxes. It happens to the best of us. And you know what happens next. The big bad IRS comes knocking on your door. And when that happens, you need to call the good old boys at the tax doctor. Let them do what they do best. Deal and negotiate with the IRS so you pay the lowest you can in back taxes that the law allows. We are a 100% U.S.-based company, and we've saved our clients millions over the years in back taxes. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, call my friends right now at the tax doctor and learn more. 800-507-3137. 800-507-3137. That's 800-507-3137. USA News Update. At least 23 deaths were reported from a winter storm bringing frigid conditions across the country. In Buffalo, where the National Weather Service said 28 inches of snow fell and more could be on the way, Erie County Executive Mark Polencar said the blizzard may go down as the worst storm in its history. Three people died in Buffalo from the blizzard. UFC Hall of Famer Stefan Bonner is dead at age 45. The UFC said it appears to be connected to heart complications. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky called a missile strike by Russia, quote, absolute evil. At least 10 people were killed in the attack on Saturday. Former Republican candidate for governor Carrie Lake says she will appeal the decision handed down by an Arizona judge Saturday, dismissing her election misconduct suit following her loss last month. Jerry Barmash, USA News. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veterans nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD.
This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We look at fairy lore going back centuries and centuries, seen by real people. But the usual reaction, John, if somebody says, I saw this creature, a fairy, whatever it is, they're going to be disbelieved as much as people who today say, I saw a gray alien, tend to be disbelieved. Yes, I think that's, that is an unfortunate truth. And I think it's, it's probably aggravated by the fact that people have very much got the, uh, the impression now that fairies are these small feminine beings with, with wings and, uh, and a wand. Uh, and it is, there is a tendency, I think, in the in the general population, um, for people to think of it as being a subject that it's appropriate for small children to be interested in, but it's not something for adults to uh, to bother with. And uh, and there's maybe something a bit, a bit strange about an adult who would admit to such a, uh, a sighting, but. That's really just the product, I would say, of the last 150 years or so. And uh, most of the, the history of, uh, of fairy contacts very much an adult thing. Yeah, but there uh, and, and, and there has been fairy sightings uh, right up into, you know, modern times. Uh, mm. uh, I, I think, uh, like, for example, the uh, children in 1979 in a park in uh, Nottingham, who uh, claimed that they were chased by gnomes and little cars? Yeah, yeah. which you know, I mean, it's it, you know, it's 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 a beautiful story. <laughs> it is, yes. I mean, there, there's a there's another um, there's a, there's an academic who who specialises in this this area more from the the folklore perspective that I was talking about earlier, um, called Simon Young, and he conducts uh, a regular so-called fairy census and um the fairy census is is deliberately gathering contemporary experiences contemporary sightings of fairies uh, from across the world um so he's got uh he's got people reporting their experiences from uh from europe from the states but equally from australia new zealand and other countries as well so these um these sightings are still happening um and i I, yeah i mean i think in 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 earlier times then they would probably have evolved into some of the traditional stories that um, we would call folklore today, but you know, in modern circumstances, the way that they're transmitted and so on, it, it probably it won't work out in in the same fashion. But um, those contacts are still going on, and uh, and our experience of, of fairies is still evolving, and we're still we're still learning about them, um, and we're still we're still getting to understand them. I would say. That's really fascinating. I mean, considering that we are still talking about these, you know, these these folklores and mythologies in the 21st century, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people would look at 
the term fairies and you know like we talked about earlier you know think about the little diminutive uh, beings with wings and stuff but you know here we are 2022 and we're still talking about this subject uh, in the same way that people were talking about it back in the uh, 14th 15th 1600s yes yeah, so, uh, maybe um maybe it's it says something about um maybe it says something about human nature as well mm. that um we don't <laughs> yeah we're reluctant to uh to submit entirely to the uh the kind of cold rationalism of science um and equally i suppose it um it's an indicator that um there are other dimensions um that um yeah that may, maybe not everybody is is prepared to acknowledge exist but um but yeah um centuries of experience uh indicates that these these other dimensions and these these other um these other beings are there and uh and are prepared to make contact with us when they feel like it <laughs> Yeah, it it is nice that you know in this in this day of rampant materialism <laughs> that there are still people uh, willing to entertain that there's a lot much there, there there's a lot more to our reality than um, than we can consider. Yes, well, I, I, yeah, I suppose I, I've become um, I've become increasingly a a, a convert uh, to that, or maybe even a, a kind of proselytizer for for that point of view. Uh, you know, the, I suppose the longer I've I've done the the blog, and the more I've I've researched the folklore, and the more I've written about it, then perhaps yes, the the uh, the more hardened my my views have become but as i said you know earlier on i I think um my my approach is well i i think it's um it would be simply rude of us maybe to to say well all the people who had these experiences these these hundreds these thousands of people who had these contacts uh, were all fantasizing uh and and uh, again and again and again they have similar experiences but all of them were just making it up or having some sort of uh, i don't know some sort of psychiatric disturbance i think i think we should pay those those previous witnesses the the respect to say um yes we believe you and uh we don't think you're all lying we will take your word for it and and we'll will respond seriously um to what you went through and and try to investigate it uh, as best we can well that's the interesting thing here that happens unfortunately somebody sees something that is out of the norm and then the first thing is to say well i never heard of such a thing you must be lying but we've got to look at motivations of people why would people lie about seeing beings of this nature whatever they are well exactly there's um there's there's no particular reason for people to lie and I, and i suppose the other thing to say gene is that um you know these aren't always solitary experiences um there have been uh groups of people who have had an identical 
experience. Uh, I can think of you know, a couple of uh, well. I mean, going back to to the the Nottingham case that you mentioned, Tim. You know, you had half a dozen um, school ch- children who saw those gnomes uh, in the in Wallerton Park. Um, and I can think of, off the top of my head, immediately a couple of um, cases from from Wales where um, two people and maybe sort of half a dozen people working out in the in a field one day saw um, a fairy manifestation. So it's it, it's easier to say that an individual um, witness was drunk or. Uh, <laughs> They were making it up, or they were, um, yeah, they were having some sort of mental breakdown. But when you've got six people all seeing the same thing, then it becomes much, much harder to argue with. Obviously, what about the uh, the names? You, you know, you you referred to, you know, the gnomes uh, of, of of the Nottingham Park. That uh, uh, you know. Uh, fairies, elves, brownies, gnomes, uh, are those the same names that people referred to these things, you know, like uh, back in the day, or have they, you know, like everything else, you know, have the names evolved to be, you know, be uh, through to today? Before we have any answer to your question there, Tim, I want to take a quick break here. We have John Cruz. He's been studying the legends, myths, reality of fairies, fairy lore. With Gene and Tim, you're in the Puracast. Wishing you the brightest of Christmas seasons and best wishes for the new year from the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I helped thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. 
Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. Extendivite really works. Here's just a few testimonials from Amazon. RL, five stars. Been taking this for two months now. I feel better. Have more energy. April, my husband started taking Extendivite, and he said he feels much better and has more energy. EW, need to try. Everyone needs this for their health. Great product, great people. Josie, it works great. This product has made my blood pressure and cholesterol stable. I highly recommend it. JC, great product, has worked well these last few years. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. As we continue our journey through fairy lore, a subject we have not discussed very much on the Paracast with Gene and Tim, we have John Cruz, who was just asked a question in our previous segment. John, go ahead, please. The names have evolved, yes. And if we were, we were back in, uh, in England before the Norman Conquest, then we'd just talk about elves and nothing else, really. Uh, uh, and then following the Norman uh, arrival in, in England and, yeah, French French words came into the English language and that's where fairy comes from. Uh, that's, that's, you know, a late innovation. And then we were talking about the, the Wallerton gnomes in Nottingham. Um, gnome is an entirely made-up word um, that it was invented by the German... 
German doctor Paracelsus in the 16th century. Um, and he, yeah, he invented gnome and he invented sylph and he invented undine. We've taken those on as if they are sort of traditional characters, but um, yeah, well, they're, they're not. They're, they're not part of, uh, of British tradition. Uh, and for that matter, I mean, we, we tend to, under the influence of Tolkien, we tend to talk about dwarves quite freely now, but the the word did exist in uh, in England, but uh, then disappeared. It, it wasn't really a, a central part of, of British tradition, and it was own. It, it remained in uh, in Germany and and I think Scandinavian countries, um, and it was really re-imported from there by Tolkien uh, when he was writing The Hobbit and so on. The, uh, so we've, we've come to think of it again as, as part of the, the, the pantheon. Uh, and again, I, 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 I would tend not to use it when I'm in my writing because I see it as, uh, I suppose, not authentic for want of a, a better word. Um, but yeah, so the, the, the terminology, there's, there's what... We tend to use uh, in everyday speech, and then there's probably what I'd be more kind of purist about when I'm when I'm doing my writing. Speaking of names, there's an interesting uh, part of, of fairy mythology in that they keep their names very close to them, and it's not something to be revealed, and uh, we can see that has come down to us today in the uh, story of, of Rumpelstiltskin, but there's really a rich history behind that. There is, yeah. So it, it's, again, that's the, you know, that's another uh, example of kind of German uh, folklore <laughs> displacing British folklore, uh, because, yes, everybody knows Rumpelstiltskin, but there are British equivalents to that that n- nobody uh, except um, specialists, I suppose, have heard of. So, yes, there's a there's a number of um, there's a number of Welsh versions. One's called Truton Tratton, uh, and there's a, a Scottish one called Whoopity Story. But the stories are are identical. Yes, and the names are withheld because names have got magical power and if somebody else comes into possession of your name then they may have control over you you know when we think of Rumpelstiltskin a lot of people nowadays think of British actor Robert Carlyle who played it in Once Upon a Time but he was not miniature he was a guy of normal height yes and um, that's that's again part of the the confusion that we've we've got ourselves into uh, in in the last century. I would say that uh, yeah we've 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 kind of lost sight of what original British tradition was, and uh, you've got the the miniature fairies um, from derived from the the flower fairy books and that kind of thing. Um, and in tension with that, you've got, yeah, uh, you've got the, uh, the 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 warrior elves out of the the Lord of the Rings stories, and people really aren't quite sure what 
what they should expect. Uh, and and I was talking about the fairy census earlier, and certainly a lot of people, I think the part part of what people experience is what they expect to experience. So quite a lot of the reports that come into the fairy census do involve um, seeing small or even very, very tiny fairies indeed, sometimes fairies reduced to uh, just points of light. Uh, so I think it appears um, that sometimes what people see is what they've kind of been prepared to see by the stories that they grew up with, you know, the uh, the books that they read when they were children, uh, and uh, I suppose the Disney films that they watched when they were children. Uh, well, we have to blame Walt Disney for our impression of Tinkerbell, the sanitized version. Definitely, yes, yeah, you know, and the 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 the, the man who drew the figure uh, very consciously modelled her on a glamour model of the period so um again that was that was quite consciously moving away f from what jm barry wrote because jm barry's uh tinkerbell is um i think he, he yeah he, he puts it quite um quite delicately but he suggests that she's quite a, a sort of um a round young woman shall we say you know she's um she's not um yeah she's not a, a supermodel uh in the original um she is quite tiny but well tiny in height but she's probably quite full figured shall we say the old age impression of women was more full figure than it is today where women want to be very thin and yeah. if they're not it could cause you know some kind of psychological damage but looking at the peter pan image itself as i said what we have of course is the walt Disney version we have the movie hook how different is that from what the book portrayed um it generally, um, yeah, it, as you said just now, it, it, it sanitised it, and it took um, it, it took a fair bit of the um, the violence out of it. And it's, it's a while since I saw say that you know it's a very long time since I saw the Disney cartoon, and it's a few years now since I actually reread uh, Peter Pan. But uh, I mean, the, obviously, there is violence in the um, in the story as as we know it now. With obviously with Captain Hook and uh, you know trying to to kill Peter, but um, there's a there's a lot more antagonism in the original story as i remember and, uh, and as i said the um tinkerbell um very much is is possessive about peter pan and when wendy the human girl turns up who's more peter pan's size then she does react um very violently and and well she yeah she does try uh or possibly even temporarily succeeds in killing wendy uh and that aspect of the story um I'm fairly confident in saying is something that they um, they chose to edit out in in all the um, the more recent versions. Um, Would you describe that killing Wendy? How was this accomplished? And I assume she was brought back to life. Um, as I remember, they are they're flying um, over um, the island, whatever it's called. I, uh, 
um, where where Peter lives with the Lost Boys. And Neverland. Neverland, thank you. And uh, somehow uh, Tinkerbell engineers that uh, Wendy loses the power of flight, I think it is, so that, you know, she falls hundreds of feet through the air. Uh, um, so, yeah, she she is... Um, she is yeah, quite a, a scheming and uh, and malicious character in the book, um, and she was. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it, it began with the the play because he wrote he wrote the book first of all, and then it became the stage play. And in the stage play, they I don't know whether it was just um, the problems of, of producing the thing, but they reduced her just to a flickering light. They didn't try to get an act, an actress to, to portray the character. Uh, so they just had a, a light darting around the stage. And that probably began her, her decline into sort of non-physical harmlessness, shall we say. Hey, this is going to be... Physical, not non-physical, with John, Jean, and Tim, you're in The Paracast. From our family to yours, have a very Merry Christmas. We are the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. 
So as you were talking about J.M. Barry, the author of Peter Pan, James, Sir James Matthew Barry, guy born in 1860, living to the ripe old age of 77, which is today like living to like 110, isn't it? Yes, I think it probably is. Okay. Now, it's fascinating about how all these things happen and how reality has changed. And if we're talking about folklore, we go back to the original novel from Bram Stoker, Dracula, which was basically written mostly as a bunch of letters or diary entries that were put together to tell the story of this vampire. But we did see that presentation in later films. But if you look at the novel Dracula, and I read it years ago, it has only a passing resemblance to the Dracula from Universal Pictures with Bela Lugosi. You know, when Hollywood gets their hands on a property, they have every right, because that's the way these contracts are written, to do whatever they want with it. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, and that's why I, part of my mission, if you like, in, in, uh, in my blog and in, in the books is, is to try to pull people back to uh, the authentic, the original tradition uh, and, uh, and show them that fairy with a capital F, um, fairy land and, and the, the, the world inhabited by fairies is a much more complex uh, and often a much darker uh, kind of uh, environment than uh, a lot of modern fairy stories and uh, a lot of dramatizations of, uh, of those stories would give people uh, to believe uh, what, what we've been fed through uh, through Disney and so on is uh, has really diverged quite radically from um, the way let's say Shakespeare would have imagined it. Also, looking at the description, it sounds like we're going to a parallel universe, a multiverse. Yes, I think that's that's a good way of uh, of, of trying to conceptualise it. That the certainly the, uh, the the British tradition is that the fairies are they're living alongside us, and one of the the we were talking earlier about avoiding using personal names for fairies, so quite a lot of euphemisms um, were adopted. And good neighbours um, is one of the, the terms that uh, was very popular in the past. And But that, besides sort of not calling them what they are, it also gives you this idea that they are living alongside us, they're living in parallel uh, with us, they occupy parts of our visible reality, but then the world, the fairy, is at the same time separate. Um, and that's quite often in the older stories uh, imagined as being maybe that they live underground um you know whether that's reached under a hill or whether it's uh, um, you go you go down a a, a tunnel that you find uh, in a riverbank or, or something but there is a uh, you know, 
we were talking um, at, towards the start about you know, how old these stories are, and there is a there is a British story, uh, an English story from the 1100s, I think it is uh, about. Um, it's called the Green Children of Woolpit, um, and Woolpit is is a village in in Suffolk in the east of England, and these these two green children turned up one day during harvest in the early 1100s and their story was that they had they'd been wandering around in their home country which was a a a kind of twilight land and they had heard sounds and they'd followed the sounds and then they it had got brighter and brighter and brighter, and they came out into our world, and then were just sort of stunned by the the brightness of the sun and the the noise uh, and so on, and and as a result of that, were were captured by by people working in the fields. But their their description was very much of a a, a land similar to. Um, what we know on the Earth's surface, but it was somehow beneath it, somehow parallel to it in some way. And that's a very, very constant motif that you get through British folklore, that some people are able to find a way into fairy, and some people can, in fact, come and go from fairy in certain circumstances. Um, but it is a, it's a, a kind of separate world to ours. They can, they can quite regularly come into our world, partly to steal things um, from humans and partly to to interact with humans. Uh, uh, and sometimes they will take humans back into their world. Um, but they could, if they wanted to, live almost entirely separate from us um, without having to, to make any physical contact with us if they chose to. So taking us back into their world, that sounds like a UFO abduction. Yeah, so that, that's, uh, another, uh, that's a very strong parallel between the um, those two kinds of of tradition that certainly in British fairy tradition uh, taking humans um, is just one of the things that they do Um, they may take um, adult women in order to have children with them, they may take adult women who have uh, maybe just given birth in order um, to, to have a wet nurse for a fairy child. Um, they may take humans, both adults and children, just to use them as slaves. Uh, and you know, as, as we were saying, there is a tendency to to, to sanitise uh, our image of fairy, but um, the the older view of fairy was really quite... Um, quite cruel, really. The, the, I think the the fairy attitude to humans is is to to a large extent to uh, to view them as as livestock, uh, if you like. And you know we're useful to them, and they'll they'll take us into their world when they need certain things done. You know, so people will be taken to be servants. Um, to to wait upon uh, fairies at banquets and to cook food and that kind of thing. 
so they were, yeah, they've got a pretty, um, uh, a pretty utilitarian and a pretty unforgiving attitude to humans, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, and and certainly you could you could parallel that with the the sort of stories of um, yeah sexual abductions of, of of people by aliens. Well, let's look at that here. If we're saying that a fairy can mate with a human, that means they have to be genetically similar enough for that to take, unless they have a technology that we don't understand. But that's the first assumption I'm making. Is that correct? Yes, I mean, I did. Um, I did a book last year, I think it was, called "The Fairy Life Cycle," and uh, and that was um, very consciously. I decided to sit down and just look at all the uh, the evidence we have from the various stories about um, fairy anatomy, um, and most of the evidence suggests that they are um they are very like us indeed um they they they're probably not immortal um but they are much longer lived than uh than humans but otherwise you know they they need to eat and drink uh exactly as we do and um they can in certain circumstances be uh, be killed um, with violence. We have John Cruz, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartz. We're talking about the reality the of per- fairies. You're in the Pericast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com.
What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Stop aging now. Restore those joints. Boost your strength. Because it's official. Nutramedical has released the most exciting, powerful anti-aging supplement on the market. Dr. Bill Deagle's Red Deer Velvet DR has been approved by the U.S. Patent Office. Imagine stem cell rejuvenation all in one capsule without huge expense. Dr. Bill MD discovered that as an unborn baby grows in the mother's womb, he or she does not deteriorate or physically age. Red Deer Velvet DR, like the uterus, provides 300 biomolecules and six hormones protected in one special DR capsule that delivers lipid packages directly into your circulation. This patented technology bypasses the stomach and is released into the small bowel unaltered by digestive enzymes and stomach acid. Remember, Red Deer Velvet DR. Improve endurance, stimulate your immune system, increase learning ability, and even improve sexual libido with Red Deer Velvet DR. Click NutriMedical.com. That's N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com. Or call toll-free 888-212-8871 and get on the road to a newer, rejuvenated, happier you. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. That's an interesting question here, John. If a fairy mates with a human, obviously they have to be genetically compatible. If that happens... Is the hybrid, quote-unquote, the spawn of a fairy and a human, are they therefore taller than the normal fairy? In other words, they inherit more human-like characteristics? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it is a very interesting subject, that. I, I, was, I was going to say just uh, previously that one of the, the leading British authorities, a woman called Catherine Briggs, uh, she made the analogy between humans um, and fairies um, mating uh, and horse, horses and donkeys uh, and said, well, you know, they're, they're closely enough related to be able to mate together and, and to produce offspring but at the same time they're not quite the same sort of species as as for the the exact status of the children that well that is a uh, a difficult area because on the one hand then yeah fairies don't seem to be particularly fertile and they quite often they, they rarely have children and when they do have children it does seem to be an area an area where there's there's quite a lot of medical problems and they do very frequently have to call in human midwives to help with those births and one very common story associated with 
midwives attending fairy births is that they will, once the, the baby has been born, they will be told to anoint um, the newborn with some sort of green ointment. And they're given the ointment to put on the baby. And the fairy parent at the same time says, well, don't get this in your eye. You can put it on the baby, but you're absolutely forbidden to put it on yourself. And of course, uh, it does get in the, the midwife's eye. You know, she suddenly has an itch and she scratches the itch and, and it gives her the second sight. It, it's She suddenly sees that she's not in a, uh, a grand house, but she's actually in a hole in the ground. And, uh, and what she thought were um, people that she'd never seen before were actually fairies. But what this, this story seems to indicate is that... Um, there's there's something genetic, but there's also something physical has to be done almost to to turn you into a fairy. That the newborn child hasn't necessarily got all those magical qualities um, that or powers that the the fairy adult has, and and something has to be done to them to give them that extra fairy quality which is quite a an odd idea um and, it, and yeah it, it's it's something where we we don't really understand exactly what's going on but it almost kind of indicates that you know when the, when the baby is born it's almost the same as a human baby uh and then something extra has to be applied to it to to transfer it fully into the fairy world somehow it sounds to me like it's something that requires an external spell or technology or something to manipulate this child. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, there is some there is some sort of magical process involved. But at the same time, I mean, we there, we have got some evidence about what goes into the um, the ointment. It's not anything particularly. Uh, anything obscure it, it's it's plants that you can find um in in the in the human world growing growing wild uh and it's just a matter of sort of you know bashing them up and and making them into a paste uh and that would appear to be enough so yeah the it's it's an area that we don't fully understand but um it appears to be a bit more surprising perhaps than we assumed that we're not so different from them really uh you know and and we can eat the same food and equally um you know the the other the other stories to do with this are about so-called changelings um where Human children are stolen by the fairies and fairies are left in their place. So, you know, it cuts both ways and, and fairies can come and live perfectly adequately in our world um, without it doing them any harm. And and it w equally, you know, these stories would suggest that the fairies are quite keen for certain um certain children of theirs to be looked after in human households that they seem somehow see it as beneficial or advantageous for them you know when you talk about this i'm thinking of modern technology in our world the 21st century trying to look into this as something 
at least for the sake of discussion that's real. Okay, first thing, this paste substance that I guess converts them from a child to a fairy, it sounds like an herbal treatment, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it, we, we, there's a there's a couple of stories which kind of give us the um, the herbs that we're you're looking for. Um, so, um, we, with the right information and in the right spot, it, theoretically, it would be possible for somebody to pick the right plants and to to create the green ointment today, and then find out what happens. Okay, that's interesting. Here, assuming this is correct as described. Could we take that ointment, give it to a human, and have them gain magical qualities, or is there some genetic thing that they're missing? The, as I said, I mean, I, look, I looked at the the various stories uh, when I was writing Fairy Life Cycle, and it does seem to suggest that it is. Uh, as you were saying, a, a kind of purely technical process, a purely physical process that um, you you can apply uh, the ointment to uh, a human child, and as a result of that, they will have acquired some fairy qualities. So they're not innate by the sound of it; they are something which uh, which is applied after. Uh, after the birth has taken place, uh, which is quite surprising um, because we tend to uh, to assume that they 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 are they are different from us, and it's to a certain extent an unbridgeable unbridgeable gap. But these stories imply that it's a much more permeable kind of um, barrier between the the two dimensions, if you want. Like a permanent portal, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, I mean, the, those for certain people, they, you know, there is literally a kind of permanent portal in the sense that I was talking about the midwives earlier, uh, and there are people who can go backwards and forwards in multiple times without any difficulties at all, uh, though. Arguably, that is allowed by the fairies because those individuals are advantageous to them. You know, so they they need the midwives to help with births, so they let them go uh, from from the human world to the fairy world. We've got John and Jean and Tim. You're in the Pervercast. Wishing you the brightest of Christmas seasons and best wishes for the new year from the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Frustrated trying to get business capital? Want to take the slow process and rejection out of the equation? GCNloans.com removes the slow, irritating approval process. Instead, get quick, simple funding. Powered by David Allen Capital, 80% of our pre-qualified clients are approved in days. Pre-qualify at GCNloans.com and get your money this week. It's that easy. GCNloans.com. That's GCNloans.com. 
Advanced Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to generate an endless supply of natural silver solutions. SilverLungs.com. You'll find no wild claims or pseudoscience, just a lifetime of nano-sized pure silver solutions. The Silver Lungs Generator allows you to make your own, so stop paying for silver solutions. The unique lung delivery system targets respiratory infections where other silver solutions simply cannot reach. See the Silver Lungs Generator and Lung Delivery System at SilverLungs.com. That's SilverLungs.com. USA News Update. Some have given up, but others are trying to make it across the USA for Christmas are pressing on. As of this morning, FlightAware counts nearly 1,200 canceled flights, more than 500 delayed. The storm-related death toll is now at least 16 across the country. Cold and wind stopped many first responders from responding. Nearly a million customers are still without power. But there is some light at the end of this snowy, windy, freezing tunnel, according to meteorologist Mark Chenard at the National Weather Service. Main impacts now are still seeing some lake effect snow, um, primarily uh, off of Lake Erie near Buffalo and then off of Lake Ontario. Uh, And it's still cold over a lot of the eastern part of the country, but not as extreme of cold as we saw uh, yesterday and the day before. And another weather system's gathering strength in the Pacific due to hit the coasts of Washington, Oregon, and California starting tomorrow. Rich Johnson, USA News. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global problems have local consequences, too many of them. And if the next news headline spins us into chaos, you'd better be ready. Grocery store supply chains are only as strong as their weakest link. Don't wait for them to break. Today's the day to secure emergency food for everyone in your family. My Patriot Supply is America's largest preparedness company. Our specially packaged and delicious food stays fresh for up to 25 years in storage. It'll be there when you need it. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and pick up several emergency food kits. There are a dozen different sizes that average over 2,000 calories per day. As we all know, calories equals energy equals survival. And as you'd expect from a true preparedness company, our food kits are in stock and ship quickly. Those who know what's coming are preparing today. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days' worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. You know, I'm thinking about this genetically, the similarity they could mate humans and fairies. So the fairy, 
it takes a genetic test, a DNA test, 23andMe, whatever it is, and it's examined. What would it show? Would it show a human or something weird? Um, I think it would show something that was very similar to a human, but there would be clear um, clear differences somewhere in the the DNA. For example, you know, the, our, our DNA probably only gives us you know, a maximum lifespan of a hundred years or so, whereas um, it would seem the fairies can go on quite a few more centuries than that so they they have they do have differences um so you know maybe maybe one way of thinking of them is is somehow another branch on the human ape tree somehow uh but at the very least i suppose we could say that they have they have knowledge that we don't have and that gives them access to powers that we don't have so you know they can disappear they can um fly through the air without the need for wings uh, it's important to point out that they have capabilities that we don't have but i don't think that they're a completely different species to modern humans yeah they 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 uh well, yeah possibly they branched off some at some point a long time ago and they have have developed um in parallel to us but um but at the same time with distinct differences uh, but i'm starting probably going off on you know real speculations now which is carrying me a long way away from anything i could get out of any any of the um the british traditions i've read so when it comes to the uh, the the changeling phenomena i mean you know most of the stories that we have you know come from you know the the human side of it you know the the the, the parents who who think that their their babies are changeling and all the horrible things that they they do to it to try to get uh the fairies to come and take it back and return their own child are there any stories from the other side from say like uh uh, uh a child that was kidnapped and then maybe comes back years later and say, Hey, you know, I've been living with the uh, fairies all these years. Well, that, that does happen. Yes. I mean, the, the changeling, the changing phenomenon is something which, as you say, does tend to be viewed very negatively because, um, because we have the, the human perspective of it, of children being abducted. Um, I, I would say definitely that the fairies would put a, a completely different spin on it. And um, I, was, I was reading quite recently a Scottish uh, case of a girl who was taken um, and I th- she spent 10, 15 years in fairy, um, partly because she didn't have any close relatives left behind who, who made any particular effort to get her back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but eventually she did she did come back to live in the human world and she'd acquired a lot of skills and a lot of knowledge from the time that she was living in fairy which were advantageous to her when she was back in in the human world you know they she was particularly um good at uh at rearing livestock um so lots of human men wanted to marry her because she was very good at you know, with with the flock 
flocks and with the herds and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, there, there are um, there are advantages for the human child of being there. They you know they 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 can be very well looked after and they can be uh, they can be given skills in in husbandry and they can be given skills as metal workers and that kind of thing. And the other way, from the the fairy point of view, um, they see living with humans as being positive for certain members of their community. I mean, quite often human children are taken, but the changeling isn't a fairy child. It's quite often uh, an elderly fairy who's substituted for the human infant. Uh, And they seem to be doing that because they reckon that humans are going to look after them well, you know, that uh, maybe a, uh, an older, uh, a less able, uh, a sicker um, adult fairy uh, kind of gets um, 24-hour care by being uh, in a human household. Uh, so I suppose, again, you could look at it in quite a cynical uh, way and say, well, the fairies can't be bothered to look after their geriatrics, so they give them to humans. But, you know, they at the same time, they, they reckon that we do quite a good job of it uh, and they, they, they have the confidence in the human care to entrust their older people to us. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the, the fairies would argue that, yeah, well, we're, we're, you should look at it in a more positive light. You know, the child we take um, is looked after well and, and gains from it. Um, and um, at the same time, you are, um, you are giving care and attention to a member of our community, and we appreciate that. So thank you very much. Uh, it's win-win from their point of view. The one story that you referred to of the uh, the girl who had been taken away and then and then later uh, came back. Uh, I, I read that, and she said that the fairy society, at least the one that that she was involved with, was a matriarchal society, yes. and yeah. that she had some problems with the human world when she came back because of that. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, oh, probably, probably, Jean. We should put it the way round. And the the human world had problems with her because she was, <laughs> yeah, she was more, um, she was more independent thinking, uh, and she she knew what she wanted to do, and she wasn't going to be uh, subject to, uh, you know, what the property of a human husband. Uh, and that that's a Scottish story, and um, there's there is quite a lot of uh, evidence, certainly from Scotland, that you know, the fairy queens were um, were very common, and there were um, there were a, they were the main rulers of the fairy communities. It's um, it's not quite so clear in. Um, in England and Wales, I don't, I don't think, uh, uh, as to the, the structure that we're dealing with. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I, I suppose if you look at, say, Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream, there is, there's at least an equality between Titania and Oberon um, that suggests that um, she has 
equal power to him if not more power than him um though again you know we're, t- we're talking about names and and terminology and, and neither of those is a traditional british name at all uh titania is is derived from uh from the greek titans and uh oberon is is ultimately a german name um uh and so yeah they're 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 immigrants, you might say, and, uh, and maybe don't truly reflect um, British fairy society. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like the idea of them being a matriarchy. Um, I find that quite a, uh, appealing. That yes, it's, it's a parallel society, but it's not. Um, maybe it's a kind of a, a negative of human society in a way. It sounds like, and we'll get into this in the next segment, this practice, this culture impacts those who are pagans in our society, and I've known a few, and maybe we could talk a little bit about that comparison in our next segment, exploring the legends of fairies with John Cruz, Gene Steinberg, Tim Swartzer in The Paracast. From our family to yours, have a very Merry Christmas. We are the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. First, we decide where we want to go. Then we need to know the best way to get there. Hi, my name's Adam Barada. I'm the owner of Advantage Gold. We're the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. We teach people how to own physical gold and silver. Now, we've won the Best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because we educate our clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. We don't pay celebrity spokespeople millions of dollars. We'd rather pass that value on to you. Call 800-900-8000 and speak with one of our experts. We'll send you a free gold kit along with my latest number one national best-selling book, The Great Devaluation. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value. Call Advantage Gold at 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Call 800-900-8000. I know I need to pay attention to my health, but I just can't seem to find the time. Between rushing to work and taking care of the kids, there's not much time left over for me. So I decided to start small by eating more fruits and vegetables and being more active. 
And then I got the family to make some changes, too. We started by keeping a bowl of fresh fruit on the counter, and I limit the amount of sweet snacks I keep in the house. I've also found some creative ways to add more vegetables to our meals. We're taking more walks, and on the weekends, we head down to the pool at the rec center. It doesn't happen every day, but it does happen. You don't have to change your entire life to be healthier. Just make some simple changes and include your family. You'll see how easy and fun it can be. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So the influences of the pagan religions and fairies, do you see the connection, John? Yes. I mean, it, again, this is, a, this is a, an area where the traditions are quite confused. There are lots of layers of, of Christian influence there, which have made it quite hard to to discern what maybe the the original views of, uh, of fairies were. You know, there, there are one of the, the the ideas of fairy origins is that they are some of the the fallen angels, but. Equally alongside of that, you get stories um, of the fairies worrying about their salvation. Uh, quite commonly from Scotland, you'll, you'll have incidents where a fairy will approach uh, a Christian minister uh, and, and ask if there's any mention of the fairies in the Bible. Um, and then again, you know, you, you have in tradition stories which suggest a, a very strong antipathy to anything that is related to christianity so they don't you know the, the use of the the symbol of the cross or uh, maybe even carrying around a page from the bible or a page from the prayer book will be a protection against the malign influence of fairies so it's uh yeah it, it's got very muddled over the years but one interesting theory from from Cornwall and from Wales was that um, to, to explain who the fairies were, the the um, the kind of one Celtic uh, idea, if you like, was 
that they are the the spirits of the good pagans. So somehow um, they are spirits of the dead, and they're particularly spirits of the um, the the better druids and um, the um, the better natured pagans from um, from kind of pre Christian times. Uh, so. If you if you like that particular interpretation of their origins, then there is a, a you know a, a very direct and clear link back to um, pre-Christian beliefs. But most of the time, the um, I think if you look at fairy behaviour, you probably say that you couldn't find much of a trace of certainly of Christian morality in it, possibly not very much morality at all, really. Uh, there's, there's, um, there's is very much just kind of looking out for themselves and, um, and taking advantage of um, what they consider to be a, uh, a weaker set of neighbours, in other words, us. Uh, they, you know, I think on the whole, they, they, um, they they look fairly contemptuously at humans, and they don't seem to be um, held back by any concerns about uh, right or wrong um, in in any sense that we'd recognise it anyway. But it probably, yeah, probably I think I think simply because maybe pagan tradition is is less um, strictly structured and less hierarchical. It's probably easier to fit um, the existence of fairy kind into that than it is into uh, a more rigid Christian interpretation of of the world. Well, I liked uh, uh, what you said in one of your blogs about the uh, um, the idea that the that the fairies were part of the fallen angels but were too slow and uh, got shut out when the uh, gates of hell shut and then the uh, the gates of heaven shut so they were caught in between and and, and you wrote that they were uh, too good for hell but too bad for heaven <laughs> yeah that's um yeah i think that's that's particularly a kind of highlands scottish idea but it's uh and it, and it quite nicely um explains quite a few of the um the traits that we've been talking about yeah so they they find themselves um they're not safe in heaven and they're not safe in hell so they have to hide uh, away from from god and maybe from from the devil as well in holes in the ground and that um that explains exactly why they live under hills uh but yes I, you know but i suspect a lot of those traditions are not particularly old traditions that they're things that have um, grown out of uh, uh, Christian interpretations of older tradition um, you know and even maybe before the Reformation I'm not sure that the the Catholic Church was um, quite so antipathetical towards fairies or so worried about beliefs in fairies you know they they had a more um i suppose a more generous view of the world around them and they were prepared to believe um that there were more forms of uh of life more spirits than um than perhaps later 
um, Christian belief, which maybe was more strictly tied to the exact word of the Bible, was was prepared to uh, acknowledge. Uh, but yeah, it, you know, the, the Reformation made this whole area a lot more kind of contentious. Whereas um, before the Reformation, I think the Catholic Church was was quite laid back about these sorts of things. It suddenly became much more difficult um, uh, once. Um, you know, the the Protestant churches have broken away and did take a much more uh, a much more text based approach, and then the the whole thing became sort of almost by accident quite controversial. I think. Yes, you did have some some references, and I suspect, like you said, that these came uh, uh, later on. That uh, you know you could. Uh, you could keep the good uh, the good people at bay using quotes from the you know verses from the Bible or you know putting a crucifix on the door and things like that. Yeah, that's that's now kind of one of the the universal kind of remedies against uh, fairy assaults. Almost any um, any body of tradition that you look at, you'll find that yeah, um, using uh, almost anything put in a in a cross shape, whether it's uh, it's twigs of certain trees. Or, um, or it's uh, pins um, put into your clothing, or as I was saying earlier, maybe bits of Christian text, uh, or speaking uh, certain prayers. All of those will be uh, effective to guard you from the fairies. But at the same time, I think there's, you know, you've got that kind of, you've got that Christian uh, surface layer there, but then underneath you've got older protections which seem to have been kind of hijacked by uh by the christian faith in some way so uh you know you make a cross out of elder wood or rowan wood uh, uh which suggests that you know the there were previous protections which had nothing to do with the um putting it into a cross shape um that there was something inherent in um, that substance, whether it's iron or whether it's it's part of a particular tree, which is really the effective thing, uh, not the fact that you've fashioned a cross out of it. Okay, but of course the cross is supposedly the way to ward off a vampire. The vampire comes to you, you take the cross, and the vampire cannot tolerate it. It becomes painful to the vampire. So that's one thing. It's also common in some Christian religious sects to think that UFOs are demonic, and by citing a Lord's Prayer, you stop the UFO occupants or demons from doing whatever they're going to do. Yes, and, uh, yeah, I think that's... Um that's a sign of. Well, I suppose maybe it's partly a sign of um, our own uh, our own insecurities, and it's also a sign of um, the fact that uh, we are. Uh, yeah, we're turning to. Uh, we're lumping different phenomena together, perhaps, and uh, it, it's it's a, it's trying to accommodate. Um, 
no phenomena which don't really fit in with a Christian worldview into um, into Christian ways of managing it, I suppose. Hey, I suppose we're going to do this break and then come back with John, Gene, and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Wishing you the brightest of Christmas seasons and best wishes for the new year from the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Do you need to get your hands on some extra money right now? Maybe 25000 or more? If you're a homeowner, now is the perfect time to get cash out while homes in many neighborhoods like yours have gone up in value. You can use the money for anything. It's yours. You can buy an investment property, pay off higher interest debt, or make home improvements. If you need 25000 50000 or more, now is the time. Home values are up, and so is your equity. We offer you a way to use it. No need to use your savings. Call New American Funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So this sounds like some kind of manipulation, a little bit of spin on these various legends. Yes, I I think the fairy legends very, very substantially developed, completely uninfluenced by the Christian church. And um, for a lot of the history of these beliefs, the Christian church didn't try to to interfere with them very much. It, It accepted that... The population had these beliefs, and probably even that these um, these these other beings existed in parallel, and they didn't worry so much about maybe where they fitted into a Christian worldview. Uh, as I was saying earlier, I think once your belief in in the Christian 
the Christian church, Christian faith, uh, should I say, became tied to um, maybe a quite literal interpretation of the Bible, then um, where it all fitted in and how you explained it within that particular kind of vision of creation became immediately much more um, problematical. But And therefore, I think... You know, all the things we've been saying about um, the use of the cross and the Bible as a protection and the stories about fairies as fallen angels and fairies worrying about whether they are going to be saved, those are things which have developed maybe in the last 500 years, um, but were not talking in a really, really long kind of perspective. I don't think there were any part of the... Uh, our original uh, understanding of, of fairies and uh, and how they existed in the world. Now, after the uh, um, Reformation, the, the the church took kind of a different viewpoint of of human fairy interaction, and I'm I'm thinking of um, Anne Jeffries, uh, yeah. who is referred to as the Cornish uh, fairy witch. And, uh, you know, that's that's an interesting story that uh, uh, the church kind of let her alone for a while, but eventually had to have her arrested. Yeah, so I mean, she's, she is a fascinating one because she, she received healing uh, powers from uh, the fairy contacts that she had. And uh, once she'd been imprisoned, um in in Bodmin and uh, they they were trying to keep her it's a bit like that that recent film in Ireland I forget um, the name of it now but it's only in the last couple of months it came came out but um, you know she she wasn't fed by her her human jailers but the fairies sustained her and so she wasn't eating any of uh, she wasn't eating anything or drinking anything in the jail as far as anybody could tell but she remained perfectly healthy um but yeah again it, it's um I suppose it, it's alternative sources of knowledge and alternative sources of power particularly at that point in English history became very, very politicised because we, it, it was happening, I think, after, towards the end of the English Civil War. So it was also, you know, a lot of um, what was underlying that particular incident was was to do with the, the conflict between, if you like, Protestant uh, parliamentarians and um, the more more sort of high Anglican royalists. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of subtext to that story as well that she was being arrested by Puritans, uh, but part of that I think was to do with the fact that um, she was coming out of a a more non-Puritan uh, environment in Cornwall. Um, so, you know, the, the other points were being made than points about fairies in that story, I think. She managed to survive, I think, to the ripe old age back then, to, to, of 70. She did. Yeah. yeah, while while others who, you know, who, who claim to be, you know, 
had contact with fairies and fairy witches uh, were executed. <laughs> yes, I mean, there were, uh, I think Anne Jeffries was was lucky. I mean, it didn't seem to be. There didn't seem to be the the so much evidence against her, but uh, at the same time, there wasn't quite the fanaticism in England that there was at the same time in Scotland. But yeah, as as you say, at the same time, kind of from the late sixteenth century onwards for the next hundred and fifty years. Um, you know, the, the Reformation in Scotland was uh, was a very powerful force, and um, unfortunately, yes, a lot of women were um, were accused of being witches. And one aspect of, of of those accusations was that they had contacts with fairies. Um, so, yeah, a lot of women who, like Anne Jeffreys. Um, were doing nothing more really than providing healing uh, and, and herbal remedies to um, to people in their communities, uh, which yeah they may have learned from fairy contacts, but certainly were not you know, otherwise in any sense harmful. But yeah, they they were arrested, they were tortured, and they were strangled and burned. Uh, you know, and there's a good there's a good couple of dozen women who died that way. You know, it's it's interesting because you know, as you had stated earlier, you know, the uh, uh, the, the the Catholic Church tended to kind of you know uh, uh, look the other way, or at least accept that uh, you know uh, the reality of, of of fairies and and people's interaction with them. But then later, you had this whole idea that fairies were somehow in league with the devil and witches and 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 things like that, which uh, that that wasn't a viewpoint earlier. <laughs> no, it it wasn't at all. I, I think, yeah, I think the the Catholic Church before the Reformation was quite. Um, yeah, was quite prepared to um, to admit that perhaps there were realities um, that they didn't understand so well, uh, and they weren't maybe particularly worried about trying to define them too closely or trying to control them so much. Uh, but I think the I think the problem was that. Um, with with the the reformation uh and with the 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 turn to the uh, the bible as the the sole kind of source of knowledge um you then did have a very um a very binary way of trying to explain uh reality you know either um either supernatural beings were angels or they were devils uh, mm-hmm. and that was your choice um and given the fairies perhaps fairly um uh yeah unfriendly reputation then we had to presume that they couldn't possibly be uh be angels so they had to be devils uh and uh yeah so you end yeah you you have um you have the iconography of 
of horns um, being applied to puck uh, and that kind of thing. And uh, yes, I think, and then I think, you know, then the Catholic Church responded to the Reformation with the Counter-Reformation, and I think they became a lot more kind of dogmatic uh, as well, kind of in order to protect their positions. So it tended to make them less... Um, less open-minded about uh, other beings that didn't quite fit within um, the uh, the standard view of the universe, if you like. Um, hey, we're going to break here with Gene and John and Tim. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. Hey, Jimmy, turn off the video games. Let's go play some ball. I'm in the middle of my game. Can't we go later? Come on, it'll be fun. It will be there when you get back. Okay, but there's no way you're going to win. Why don't you grab some water and granola bars, and then we'll see about that. You can make a difference. Eat smart, play hard. And when you do, your kids will too. A challenge from USDA. Get healthy, not high, with 100% pure CBD, powerful natural pain relief from Veterans Vitality. GCN listeners, have you ever thought about how CBD may help you? I'm sure you have heard about the many benefits of CBD. Well, here's your opportunity to try before you buy. Created by veterans and for everyone who deserves better choices, our CBD is derived from organic hemp, grown in the USA, and third-party tested. Veterans Vitality CBD saves you as much as 25 to 50% over our competition, and a portion of all sales is contributed to veteran 
different nonprofits and events. Many of our customers have experienced improved quality of life, help with anxiety, PTSD, and overall well-being. Our products do not contain THC. They are safe, non-addictive, effective, and 100% legal. GCN listeners, get your free trial bottle of premium CBD by simply paying shipping and handling at GCNFreeCBD.com. That's GCNFreeCBD.com. Again, GCNFreeCBD.com. Offered by Veterans Vitality Premium CBD. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, John Cruz, we can't have a gray area amongst fairies. They either have to be good or bad. They can't be something more like humans where... We have good humans and bad humans and some who want to enslave others. Perhaps we we feel more comfortable with uh, that kind of approach now. But uh, again, if we go back to um, to the the tradition, as you see it in the folklore, then there's a whole range of different fairy characters. There are helpful fairy characters. There are fairy characters who just are quite indifferent to humans and they'd rather stay away from them as much as possible. And then there are some that, uh, yeah, do want to take advantage of us and, uh, and, and steal from us and possibly enslave us. Uh, and, uh, yes, it, it's, uh, it's as complex a community and as complex a set of individual personalities as you'd find in any human community uh but we have been quite reductionist about that in the last hundred years and yeah fairy on the whole i think fairies have pretty much been boiled down to something that is yeah by and large harmless and and um but probably friendly towards humans and there's also certainly something we've seen in the last yeah, probably, probably now nearly a hundred years. We've seen uh, an idea emerging that um, they are almost quite environmentalist uh, or, or ecological in their their concerns, and the, the fairies are uh, because they're close to nature. We presume then they are very concerned about. Uh, pollution and climate change and so on and so on and so on and uh, uh, i think that again is is as, as much a projection of human worries as it is uh, anything that's coming out of the fairies themselves it sounds to me almost like the beings that communicate with humans claiming to be from other planets we're here to tell you to observe the environment and to protect it and keep Mother Earth happy and healthy. 
Yeah, yeah. I think you know if you if you took those uh, those kinds of uh, stories and you took various more recent uh, accounts of of, uh, of fairies and you redacted them so you didn't know who was the speaker, then you wouldn't be able to choose between the two. Certainly since the 19... After the First World War, that, that idea of uh, the fairies as, yes, uh, ecological campaigners is something that's, uh, that emerged and... You know, has become stronger and stronger, and uh, maybe it's it's yeah, like I was saying, it's a symptom of human guilt, really, that uh, we we're aware of the damage we're doing, and uh, perhaps we feel powerless to do anything about it. So we we're we're trying to um, we're trying to find a, an outside agency who will come in and uh, and assist us with it, or maybe shake us up sufficiently to get us to do something about it. Uh. Well, I always say that the UFO knots, whatever they are, are feckless because they can say these things, these grand pronouncements, but they have no power to enforce anything they ask. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, I suppose you could say very much the same about some of the the more recent fairy manifestations that they, if they have all these powers of of, uh, of glamour, uh, these magic capabilities, then why they can't do something more impressive than uh, just uh, encouraging the individuals um, that they encounter to pick up litter and that kind of thing? You wonder. Yes, there's a lot of exhortation, but there's um, there's seldom any um, any effective action, unfortunately. Uh, but you could probably say that about humans just as much, couldn't you? <laughs> right, you definitely can. So you use the word glamour. Why don't you uh, explain to our audience just what that is? Well. Glamour is a, a word that's used to describe the the general fairy um, magical ability, uh, and particularly their ability to make themselves look different um, to how they really are, or to to change the appearance of other objects or, or surroundings. So. I was talking about midwives earlier, you know, and uh, maybe a midwife is taken out to attend a birth and she thinks it's in a very grand uh, mansion house uh, with very fine furnishings and very well-dressed people. But then she touches her eye with the ointment. She gets a second sight and she then sees through the glamour and she realises that she's just in a hole in the ground uh, and what she thought was the fireplace was the roots of a tree and uh, and the woman is not on a, a very grand four-poster bed, but she's lying on some bundles of ferns. Uh, so, yeah, the glamour is a, is a way of, of deceiving humans, basically. Or make them believe they're aboard a spaceship. <laughs> or making them believe, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's... it's could equally well be applied to to that situation, I would say. Yeah. But also, uh, I love the stories of um, like the midwives who are given, you know, like a payment 
for their task, you know, gold coins or something like that. But then they're told, you know, don't don't you know, look at them until you get home or something along those lines. And then, you know, naturally being humans, they don't do what they're told, and the gold coins are something else. Yeah, that's um, that's a pretty common sort of thread. I mean, it it often isn't the. F- I think um, I think that I'm right in saying it's probably less common in midwives who fall victim to that kind of trick, because they are the fairies are likely to need the midwife's services again mm-hmm. um so when they pay them they tend to pay them in actual gold and silver but other people maybe with a one-off transaction yes they think they've been paid in gold or silver and then when they look later they find that all they've got is shells or dried leaves or even worse horse dung or something <laughs> like that um not even lumps of coal no not even something you can burn uh, i'm afraid but yeah i suspect that those tend to be people that the fairies reckon they're only going to have a dealing with once so it doesn't matter that they cheat them Um, but somebody they're likely to you know they're not stupid um and so yeah somebody they're likely to need to use again whether that's uh, um a midwife or the other the other common one is um is a musician um, who they may want to play at a wedding or a feast again. Let's continue with John and Jean and Tim. You're in the Paracast. From our family to yours, have a very Merry Christmas. We are the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. And the IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800 8625 800-503-8625. USA News Update. Very tired, very cold, not so great. My flight was canceled. I was going to go to Vancouver, and now I don't know what to do. That woman speaks for tens of thousands all over North America who did not make it to their Christmas destinations. This morning, the number of flight disruptions is already growing. FlightAware counts about 1,200 canceled and more than 700 delayed flights around the U.S. so far today. At the Vatican. A packed cathedral for Christmas Mass presided over by Pope Francis. Chronic knee pain again forced Francis to celebrate Mass sitting down. After turning away tourists because of COVID the past two years, Bethlehem is again packed with thousands of pilgrims. 
In a move to defy Russia, many Ukrainian Orthodox have decided to celebrate Christmas today instead of the usual Orthodox date of January 7th. Rich Johnson, USA News. If you're concerned about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock. These emergency backup systems provide life-saving backup power when you need it most. And unlike gas generators, solar generators run quietly, emit no dangerous fumes, and produce an endless supply of free electricity from the sun. Whether it's wildfires, dangerous weather, power grid issues, or just getting off the grid, you'll never have to suffer through painful power outages again. Even better, all this week, radio listeners get over $700 in free off-the-grid bonuses, too. Go to MySolarBackup.com to learn more and check availability. That's MySolarBackup.com. Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492. 800-509-4492. That's 800-509-4492. This is Tracy Torme, screenwriter-producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So basically, they're honest only if it serves their own interests. Otherwise, they could cheat you. You can't trust what they say because they can be deceptive. They can be little devils, I guess, right? <laughs> yes. Well, again, you know, fairy morality is is quite a... A difficult subject. They have very strict rules amongst themselves. So, uh, for example, from South Wales, there's a, a, a story of um, a, a family of fairies called Plantris Duven, uh, and which is the the, the children of, of King Rhys, let's say. And they are very strict about the fact that they should never lie to each other. They should never mislead each other. They should never be each other so they the fairy population has to be treated with the utmost fairness and uh, and honesty but then there's the humans and a lot of the time uh, anything goes with the humans you know and, and quite often yeah the fairies will come into human markets and human fairs and they will yeah they'll buy goods with, with what appears to be gold and turns out to be rubbish, or um, they'll simply use their powers of glamour to steal things off the stalls. 
and never pay anything at all. So there's a clear dichotomy, uh, as I've said several times already in our conversation, between how they how they view their own world and how they view ours and uh, and how they should behave in each of those. Okay, so fairies can pass for humans. They can be amongst us, some people that we know. Maybe your next-door neighbor is a fairy and you don't know, except maybe they are a little shorter than you might expect. There are no physical differences, as you could see, like bigger ears or something? No, I mean, again... We're used to the idea today that fairies have got pointy ears, but going back to what we were saying a little while ago, um, you know, those pointy ears are were taken from Pan, um, and Pan, uh, the the semi goat Greek deity, became. Uh, a representation of the devil for the Christian church. And so then his characteristics came to be transferred over to fairies. Uh, so yeah, yeah, now we think of fairies as having pointy goat ears. But again, that's that's nothing to do with the actual fairy tradition. And it's, it's everything to do with... Um, with the church trying to malign them, I would say. So most of the time, there would be no discernible difference. And yes, until they, unless there was something that, um, magical or unusual that they did, um, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily know, I don't think. Maybe your boss is a fairy. Maybe the <laughs> office receptionist is a fairy. Let me ask you a question which is touchy, but we'll talk about it because in this society we have people who have different viewpoints about, for example, sexuality. Why is this something you can even answer? Were those who are gay regarded as fairies? How did the connection come? Because we're talking about two different things here. Yeah, um, I think the root that was followed to get to that use of the word was uh, it's not a very uh, a very complimentary one but i think originally fairies have a reputation for being quite sort of sexually free and and promiscuous uh and i think uh i'm right in saying that back in say the the 17th 18th century then fairy was used in respect of uh of women to suggest that they were um yeah they were they were promiscuous and it was by that route i think that it then got transferred as a as a way of slurring gay men in particular by saying you know you're fairies because you are uh, because of your sexual activity. Um, I think that's how it it developed that sense. Um, and it, so maybe maybe now we tend to think of it. Maybe you know the, another insult would be say would be to say, oh well, it's something to do with effeminacy and so on. But I don't think that's how that use of the word um, came about. But it's, yeah, it's not something I've, I've studied particularly, but I think that's what I've read, uh, the, the way that word evolved. Um, but it's, yeah, that's everything to do with kind of human prejudices and, and very little to do with 
the nature of uh, a fairy, other than to say that um, I suppose going back to our conversation um, earlier about fairy being a matriarchy, um, then uh, there wasn't uh, any any sense of um, that women shouldn't uh, have an independent sexuality uh, and shouldn't be able to to do what they liked and to to have whatever lovers they liked. So there was a there was a great deal of um, freedom with or is a great deal of freedom within fairy uh, society uh, in terms of, of sexuality. I think that that's um, that is comes out of tradition pretty clearly that you know, a fairy female could choose whatever partner she wanted to and nobody would uh, would think of um, imposing any sort of moral judgments upon that uh, and you can see there's a, there's a number of medieval stories which um, which had backed that up um, that you know she maybe chooses a, a human partner and she'll go out and she'll get that partner if, if that's what she wants you're talking about the uh, uh medieval stories there's a lot of these stories that uh, that i find interesting that uh, they're almost like morality tales uh and what i'm particular i was thinking of where um uh, a, a household heard uh, fairy women outside the house trying to get in, and they were trying to find something unfinished, undone in the house so they could enchant it. And yeah. the, the fire had been put away correctly, uh, you know, other stuff had been done correctly, but somebody had left one unwashed dish. And so they were able to enchant that and then gain access to the house, which, you know, basically is saying, well, you know, people are stupid and lazy, so they deserve, you know, to have the fairies invade them. Yes. And again, that I think there's probably two interpretations of that. You know, there is the, the more... Um, kind of prosaic folklore interpretation that um, is, a, is a strong theme in, uh, in, in, in folk tradition that um, fairies like uh, houses to be clean and tidy. Um, they like them to be well swept and they like the fire to be um, sort of probably banked up at night before people go to bed uh, uh, and that kind of thing. And uh, I think your the, the folklorists would say, oh, well, these are all ways of, um, uh, of uh, humans uh, imposing a certain... Um, morality if you like or certain mm -hmm. code of conduct on their their servants you know so um the the housewife and the female maid servants ought to uh yeah be be clean and tidy and and so on and and fairy stories are just being used as a as a vehicle to put that message over uh but as i was saying earlier i mean i tend to not go down those sorts of routes and i tend to um i tend to try and find the to understand what the fairy explanation is 
We're going to try to check this explanation for you. With Gene and Tim and John, you're in the Paracast. Wishing you the brightest of Christmas seasons and best wishes for the new year from the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. With After the Paracast, you never know what's going to happen next. After the Paracast features color commentary, special interviews, and further conversations with Paracast guests. With Paracast Plus, you can download a very special enhanced version of the Paracast also. We do offer exclusive music, videos, and more features are coming. To get more info about subscribing, please visit theparacast.plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's just a few. Amazon customer, five stars. Honestly, this stuff works. Nick, easy to take capsules. For those who can't handle the liquid drops, easy to take Extendivite capsules do the same job. Karoka Fam, works great. Like Extendivite very much. Seems to work as advertised. Thanks. Arlene, five stars. Love this product, Extendivite. Terry W., five stars. Can't say enough. Great product. Freya, five stars. I just ordered another. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at 1-877-928-8822. Extend your life with Extend Tehibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea helps build red corpuscles in the blood, which carry oxygen to our organs and cells. Our organs and cells need oxygen to regenerate themselves. The immune system needs oxygen to develop, and cancer dies in oxygen. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit ShopSuperTea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is ShopSuperTea.com, or call us at 818-984-6100, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Radio. Why should I advertise on radio? There's nothing to look at. No pictures. Listen, you can do things on radio you couldn't possibly do on TV. That'll be the day. All right, watch this. Okay, people, and now when I give you the cue, I want the 700-foot mountain of whipped cream to roll into Lake Michigan, which has been drained and filled with hot chocolate. Then the Royal Canadian Air Force will fly overhead, towing a 10-ton maraschino cherry, which will be dropped into the whipped cream for the cheering of 25,000 extras. All right, cue the mountain. Cue the Air Force. Cue the 
25,000 cheering extras. No, you want to try that on television? Well... You see, radio is a very special medium because it stretches the imagination. Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Well, folks, John Cruz is here for the final segment of the Paracast, but he'll be back for the After the Paracast podcast, which is only available from our Paracast Plus streaming service. Uncensored, you want to hear that, because we have so many more things to talk about. Now, as I was saying earlier with regard to fairy sightings, I'm trying to connect them to more modern-day sightings of smaller beings in connection with UFOs and such. But how modern... Is the fairy legend, John? Well, how, well, how do you how do you mean, Gene? I'm with their sightings yesterday, for example. I think there were yes. In the, there's always a time lag um, between these experiences taking place, and partly, I suppose, people feeling confident enough to to talk about them. But uh, as I was saying earlier, and Simon Young is conducting the the fairy census as a a, a kind of rolling process on social media so he's he's receiving continual reports from people which they you know there may be a little delay in them perhaps plucking up the confidence to talk about these things and maybe discovering the forum where they can but I would be very confident in saying that yes it's, it's an ongoing process and and somebody today has seen a fairy somewhere it may take a little while for us to find out about that but it has happened you know i just uh and i wish i could remember what show i heard this on but there was somebody talking about a uh, uh a friend of theirs who is a i guess a a well-known hollywood screenwriter who had a like a, a little house in his backyard that uh, that he used for writing and i guess this person one day all of a sudden, through the wall, actually, they came through the door, was this like a long line of, of miniature people that uh, he identified as, as looking like traditional fairies. I mean, not the wings or anything like that, but uh, dressed in green and that sort of thing, marching through this closed door and then out an opposite wall. And uh, this person, you know, swears that uh, this actually uh, this actually happened. Never happened uh, again. Just a you know one-off occasion. But I mean, very similar to other modern-day stories. Yeah, I mean, that is a very very common sort of occurrence. I think if we went into uh, all the reports um, that have been accumulated by the fairy census, we'd find lots of examples like that uh, over the last... uh, It covers... People have reported experiences going back to, I think, maybe the 1960s. And then before that, um, there was an English woman called Margaret Johnson who collected that kind of report from the, the 20s and 30s and through until the 60s. 
and I can think of quite a few instances in in her book Seeing Fairies, which sound exactly like what you've just said. And and yeah, we could we could probably come up with very very similar cases going back centuries and centuries. So it's it's very you know the other the other thing to say about these experiences is that there is a lot of consistency to them, which again tends to suggest that um, there is some common core of experience that all these people are having. You know, maybe the way that they. The terms that they use to describe it may change over time, but the basic experience um, has remained pretty constant for hundreds of years. I have a question here, and we're running out of time for the main show. And that is, when you talk to people who have sightings of fairies, do you check whether they've already read about the legends and the myths, or is it something they can really say, I never knew about this before until this happened? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one, I think, because there's a, um, you know, I'm sure everybody has got uh, some information that they have picked up out of yeah, books they read they, when they were children and things they saw on television uh, when they were children and maybe subsequently over the years. And uh, there's a lot of that, those kind of stereotypes uh, maybe stored up. But at the same time, uh, recently I did a, a talk in a, um, a kind of magical alternative bookshop in, in London, and a woman described to me an experience that a, a relative of hers had had, which certainly the way she presented it, it he just described it to her as, a, as an entirely one-off and completely inexplicable experience where he got lost in a moorland area but again it fitted exactly with um the the phenomenon of being pixie led as they call it um which is very very well known in british tradition so his description was just uh, seemed to be entirely kind of verbatim uh report of his experience but it um you know, you could have read it in a in a book of folklore, and you wouldn't have spotted the difference. So, yeah, as I, as I keep saying, you know, I think there is a there is a a common core of genuine experience here, which maybe is shaped by people's expectations and shaped by the vocabulary that they have available to them, uh, and will maybe change from generation to generation. The one thing that we've seen in the fairy census is that people now tend to, you know, when they're looking for a description, they'll quite often say, oh, it, it looked like something out of Lord of the Rings. It looked like something out of Harry Potter. So people's terms of reference will change over the years. Um, what they're describing, I think, is is much more consistent. We're just about out of time, so... I wanted to ask you one silly, ridiculous question, which do you personally believe there is any reality to these sightings of fairies? Yes, I think I do. Um, I, I've not had a, a direct sighting, but um, I, I think I've had experiences which uh, 
maybe particularly the kind of pixie interference kind of experiences which uh, uh, would again fit in very well with with traditional ideas so yeah, I mean, I've spent the last <laughs> six years particularly uh, studying this subject and writing about this subject, and that's because I think there is a um, a, a, uh, a solid reality behind it. We're going to wrap it up now, but he'll be back for the After the Paracast podcast. So, John, if people want to know where to find more of your stuff, where do they go? Well, um, I've got probably as many as a, as a dozen books available, you know, from all good bookstores. And they can find the British Fairies blog on WordPress. Um, there's six years' worth of uh, postings there. Very well. I look for it. By the way, you can find us on Twitter while Twitter lasts. And with what Elon Musk is doing, we don't know. I think now that I'm saying something that is not complimentary to him, the Paracast's own link at Twitter may soon disappear. Then we'll know he's watching and listening. You never know about that guy. You can also get branded merchandise for Paracast listeners at theparacast.shop or alternatively, theparacast.store. They both go to the same location where we have four different logos that you can choose from. Then you pick the T-shirt you like in many sizes. I think whether you're short, like a fairy, or tall like a Bigfoot, you'll find something that fits you. Very well-made stuff at theparacast.shop. Once again, theparacast.shop. And you can also find our streaming service at theparacast.plus. The Paracast Plus offers this show free of the network ads with better quality audio and the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, where you never know what's going to happen next. And it is not censored because the FCC is not listening to us. If you want more information, go to theparacast.plus. If you use the coupon code UFO20, UFO20, we give you a 20% discount on five-year and lifetime subscriptions, theparacast.plus. John Cruz, thank you so much for telling us about the myths, legends, and reality of fairies. Thank you for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. The Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.